This is the Intego Mac Podcast. The voice of Mac security. For Thursday, November 25th, 2021. This week's Intego Mac Podcast looks at the circumstances around Apple's lawsuit against spyware purveyor NSO Group and what impact it may have on the future of cybersecurity. Here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's Chief Security Analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing quite well. In this episode, we're just going to talk about one story, Apple suing the NSO group. But first, can I just make a book recommendation before we start? Sure. I've been reading this new novel by Dave Eggers called The Every. I don't know if you know Dave Eggers. He wrote a novel some years ago called The Circle, which was about a company kind of like Google. There was a very bad movie made out of it. And The Every is a sequel. The Every is the name of a company that bought The Circle. And it's think of it as a kind of a Facebook. They have all these things to get data from what you do. And it is the funniest book I have read in a long time. It is laugh-out-loud satire of Silicon Valley and tech companies with buzzwords and all all these new apps and products that they keep coming up with to try and optimize people's lives. So Dave Eggers, The Every, if you want a fun book that is indirectly about technology, check it out. Interesting. Okay. We've never really done book recommendations on this show before. <laughs> well, maybe we should more often. It's nice to laugh. I mean, I'm literally laughing out loud when I'm reading this book. And it's not often that I read a book that funny. Anyway, we have a story this week which is not quite so funny. Apple is suing the NSO Group to curb the abuse of state-sponsored spyware. The NSO Group is an Israeli company that has made the Pegasus spyware that we've talked about many times on this podcast. Pegasus has been used to infect Apple devices and Android devices. It's been used to target very important individuals from Jeff Bezos and other one percenters to journalists and activists. It's been used in a lot of countries around the world. The Washington Post, along with some other newspapers, had a thing a while ago called the Pegasus Project, where they gave a lot of information about how this worked and who was targeted. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And Apple is suing this company because they basically want to put them out of business. That's kind of what it seems like. Yeah. At the very least, Apple is certainly making the case that uh, the NSO group is violating its um, agreements. So um, whenever you use Apple products, you're using iCloud, you're using all of these other uh, services that Apple offers. And there's license agreements that go along with the use of those technologies. And so they're making the claim that uh, NSO group is, is violating their use user agreements. They are targeting Apple customers. And there's a whole bunch of different claims that are all part of this suit. I'm going to read from Apple's press release. I'll link to this in the show notes as well. Apple today filed a lawsuit against NSO Group and its parent company to hold it accountable for the surveillance and targeting of Apple users. The complaint provides new information on how NSO Group infected victims' devices with its Pegasus spyware. To prevent further abuse and harm to its users, Apple is also seeking a permanent injunction to ban NSO Group from using any Apple software services or devices. So they're saying that the company is not allowed to even have iPhones anymore. <laughs> 
Good luck with that. I, I don't know yeah. how that's enforceable, but yeah. uh, okay. Maybe they're going to get a restraining order that they can't go within 100 yards of any Apple store <laughs> or any retailer that sells iPhones or Amazon or any place else. Now, some of the elements of this lawsuit seem to be excessive, as all lawsuits are. But uh, what's really important is that I can't think of any case this big where a huge tech company has sued another company for... Well, spyware. The thing is, what they're doing isn't illegal until they do it, right? So as a security researcher, you may be researching and you'll discover a vulnerability and you're testing that vulnerability. And that's not illegal. But what they're doing is they're leveraging this vulnerability to surveil people, to record their messages, email, to turn on their camera and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's abuse and harassment that is illegal. The, the company could keep doing the research and that wouldn't bother anyone and that wouldn't be illegal, correct? Right. Well, I mean, if, if Apple gets their way, then they wouldn't even be able to research anymore. But <laughs> Well, so this is, this is one of the things because there's long been a tension between security researchers and Apple. A lot of security researchers, we've talked about Apple's bug bounty program and some security researchers say, well, they're not paying enough for bugs as if they expect to get million-dollar payouts, which I think is a little bit excessive. But Apple here is saying, among other things, that they have announced a $10 million contribution to support cyber surveillance researchers and advocates. They also say that any of damages coming from this lawsuit will be given to these organizations. From the perspective of security researchers, there's a number of problems with Apple's bug bounty programs. One of them is that um, they don't pay enough compared to, you know, third party, the kind of gray market uh, vulnerability brokers and buyers um, will tend to pay a lot more than Apple will for a lot of particular types of vulnerabilities. Uh, and there's also other things that Apple just simply does not include in their bug bounty program that could, you know, have pretty significant ramifications. And if somebody decides to take those vulnerabilities somewhere else, since Apple doesn't want them or doesn't want to pay for them anyway, um, then that's also another thing that happens. So, I mean, there's certainly a lot that Apple could do to improve its bug bounty program and, and you know, throwing $10 million at it, it I mean... You know, that, that's that's not a ton of money, really. <laughs> uh, not for Apple, at least. No, it's it's really not. I think that um, to the fact that they are suing and, and some of the details of the suit that I think are, are are more interesting. Okay, well, we'll get into this in a second. I just want to point out that one of the things in the complaint says that the NSO group has charged as much as a hundred million dollars for access to Pegasus. So. What they're paying for vulnerabilities is something that Apple would never pay. Apple's, let's say, they're paying $10 million for a really good vulnerability. Apple would never pay that to a researcher. So there's always going to be this cat and mouse going on with malicious people selling, discovering and selling vulnerabilities and people taking advantages of it. Well, regardless of, of whether NSO Group is, is finding these vulnerabilities within its own organization, even if they're having to do that, they're, they're certainly paying a lot of money to those employees who are able to find these really significant vulnerabilities. But whether they're doing that or whether they are paying, you know, third party researchers directly or whether they're going through an exploit broker um, in any of these scenarios, Nanoso Group is going to be willing to pay 
and has the ability to pay a lot more money than Apple has been willing to pay for vulnerabilities up to this point. Now, Apple does have a lot more money than NSO Group. So theoretically, Apple could be offering a lot more money for these vulnerabilities and uh, and could wipe out the market for, you know, all of these third party vulnerability brokers when it comes to Apple stuff. Apple doesn't really want to do that. I, I don't think they really want to spend their trillions of dollars or whatever on on uh, throwing money out there to anybody who happens to find vulnerabilities. But if Apple can get those vulnerabilities, be the one who's actually paying researchers to find those vulnerabilities and and willing to pay more than anyone else for them, then Apple can shut those things down before they get to companies like NSO Group. Okay, this complaint specifically mentions a vulnerability called forced entry. Before you explain what that is and how it works, I want to highlight the fact that Apple says that they are notifying the small number of users that it discovered may have been targeted by forced entry. Anytime Apple discovers activity consistent with a state-sponsored spyware attack, Apple will notify the affected users in accordance with industry best practices. Now, they haven't done this before either, have they? We've had a number of these types of attacks, and the only way, as far as I know, that anyone has been alerted to this was through something like the Pegasus Project, where a number of security researchers and journalists got together. Right. Yeah. As far as I know, Apple has never done this before where they've notified customers, hey, you were targeted by a particular attack. This is something that we know that Google has done. Google has been letting uh, some of their customers, some of their users know for years that, uh, you know, it appears that uh, potentially like a, a nation state type actor has been trying to break into their Google account. Um, but this is a first for Apple. Um, I, I've never heard of Apple doing something like this before. Now that full forced entry vulnerability that you mentioned, this is the one, one that we've talked about on the show before. Remember the, the Citizen Lab was credited for this vulnerability number, the CVE number that appeared in Apple's um, uh, patch release notes, uh, the security notes uh, for some of the software that they've, they've put out. And so the impact as Apple describes it is processing a maliciously crafted PDF may lead to arbitrary code execution. Apple is aware of a report that this issue may have been actively exploited. And we now know that specifically it was the Pegasus spyware that was exploiting this vulnerability. We know that this vulnerability affected basically all Apple platforms. Apple did patch this in iOS 14.8 and iOS 15. Uh, We didn't know at first whether it was patched in 15, but that was uh, confirmed later on. Apple also released patches for macOS Big Sur and macOS Catalina. However, macOS Mojave remains affected. We don't know of it ever having been used against Macs, but uh, if you happen to still be using Mojave, you are still vulnerable to this very same vulnerability that has been used by the Pegasus spyware. Do we know that Mojave is vulnerable or could only later operating? Okay. Yes, 100%. It's been confirmed by uh, two different security researchers that I've spoken with. They both um, were able to confirm that Mojave is definitely still vulnerable. Uh, It's not that they never were vulnerable. It's that Apple 
knows that they're vulnerable, but chose for whatever reason not to release a patch for it. Okay, Apple has issued a support document entitled About Apple Threat Notifications and Protecting Against State-Sponsored Attacks. And they say that if you have been targeted, if Apple knows that you've been targeted by something like this, you'll be notified in two ways. There'll be a threat notification at the top of the page when you sign into appleid.apple.com. This isn't something that people do very often. However, Apple will also send an email and iMessage notification to the email addresses and phone numbers associated with the user's Apple ID. So you will get notified if Apple knows, but how does Apple know if you've been affected by this? That's a really good question. I wonder the way that this vulnerability was distributed, this PDF presumably that they're talking about here, um, this sat on an iCloud server. And when this message came in to your device, your your device would process that. And so if there was a PDF embedded in there, um, that PDF uh, was maliciously crafted. It was designed to infect your device. And and so your device would immediately become infected as soon as uh, as your device received that message and tried to parse it to try to figure out what it was and how to display it to you. So maybe the way that Apple knows that you were targeted is because maybe they can they can go through and find those, you know, those PDFs and see who they were sent to. Maybe they have some way to to sort of collectively search through the, their databases, through their servers, and find who was targeted um, using that particular file. Maybe that's how they're doing it. I don't know. Um, theoretically, Apple shouldn't really be able to search through all everybody's iMessages and find out, you know, who received what file. Um, but, you know, it, it's possible that that might be partly what's going on here. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a bit more about this Apple lawsuit against the NSO Group. While you're shopping online for holiday deals this week, Intego has an extra special offer for Intego Mac podcast listeners. Listen to this. First-time buyers of Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9, the ultimate Mac protection and utility suite, can get up to 65% savings. Now, to take advantage of this very limited time offer, you must use the special promo link in this episode's show notes at podcast.indigo.com between November 19th and December 2nd, 2021. Save up to 65%, but only between November 19th and December 2nd, 2021. Tell your Mac-using friends and family, or get Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 for them as a holiday gift, and you will get up to 65% savings. Remember, use the special promo link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. And while you're there, you'll also find great deals on Intego Privacy Protection VPN and Intego Antivirus for Windows. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users. And now for Windows, too. Okay, during the break, I went to sign into my Apple ID on Apple's website. Don't worry, I haven't been targeted. But I did notice that they changed the whole layout of the Apple ID page. So if you haven't signed into your Apple ID in a while, you might want to check it out. It's a lot cleaner. It's a lot easier to understand. You can change the settings a lot more easily. I want to just mention one interesting thing in this complaint. It's filed in a United States District Court of Northern California in San Jose. And the reason 
the California court has jurisdiction is because, according to paragraph two of the complaint, the defendants created more than 100 Apple IDs to carry out their attacks and also agreed to Apple's iCloud terms and conditions, including a mandatory and enforceable forum selection and exclusive jurisdiction clause that constitutes express consent to the jurisdiction of this court. They didn't read the terms and conditions, and they are being sued in an American court, even though they are, well, the company is Israeli, but they've got American investors and British investors, so it's it's pretty much a, um, internationally owned company, but they are being sued in a court which I would think is going to be more friendly to Apple and is also in an area where you've got more tech-savvy people. This is a request for a jury trial. So I think it's more likely that they're going to find jurors in California than, say, in Israel who would be friendly to Apple and who might know a bit more about technology. Right. Yeah, that actually is kind of an interesting point. Um, A jury in San Jose is going to be made up of uh, presumably at least some people who uh, either work for tech companies or uh, certainly know a lot of people who work for tech companies. <laughs> so um, because that's the whole Bay Area, right? You have just uh, a lot of tech companies are, are either based there or uh, they have an office there for sure. Now, Apple is suing for two reasons. One is, well, the violation of the iCloud terms and conditions. The fact that it's costing Apple money to remain in this rat race with the NSO group, but they're also suing because Apple users have been attacked. And the document says, Pegasus is installed remotely on a device through fraud or deception and or without its owner's awareness and consent. Defendants and their clients can then issue commands to Pegasus remotely to surveil an owner's activities and communication and to steal and transmit an owner's personal data from the infected device in a variety of insidious ways. But I don't see anything that says that the people who were attacked by Pegasus are involved in this lawsuit. And I wonder if they will be or if some of them will. The Washington Post reported that defendants and their clients have deployed Pegasus to attack and surveil scores of individuals, including journalists, human rights activists, government officials and dissidents across more than 50 countries. I wonder if they targeted also some high executives at Apple. You know, that's certainly a possibility. And and because of some of the research that had been done by the Citizen Lab, we actually know how to find out whether your device has been infected in the past with Pegasus spyware, at least certain variants of it for sure. So there's sort of a complicated process you can go through um, to compile and install some software that can that can check your iPhone. There's also a couple of um, third party programs that uh, have implemented that technology as well. Um, so if, if you have concerns that you may have uh, had your iPhone infected at some point, there are ways that you can tell. And what I wonder is, and, and I presume that probably um, all Apple executives or anybody up above a certain pay grade or a certain level within the company was probably at some point asked or required to have their device tested to find out whether they had been targeted. 
And if they had been, we wouldn't necessarily know about it um, because it wouldn't necessarily have come out in the past leaks of, you know, databases of people we know had been targeted in the past. But this internal review, that could be um, something that has happened that we don't know the details of. And it's certainly possible. I, I mean, you know, Tim Cook um, or any number of other high profile Apple uh, employees could very well have have been individually targeted, which we don't know yet, but I think would probably come out uh, if this goes to trial. You, you mentioned about third-party tools to check if your iPhone's been compromised. iMazing, who makes an app which allows you to manage uh, your iOS devices, and full disclosure, I've done some work for iMazing. They released a tool some months ago based on this code that you talk about compiling. So it's built into their app and it's free to use. I'll put a link in the show notes. One of the points that's interesting in this complaint, now Apple's not asking for any money, they're asking for punitive and compensatory damages, but they're not asking for any specific amount. It's not like, I'm going to sue you for a billion dollars. But Apple does say that the company continues to consistently and efficiently secure its system against such exploits, forced entry. Apple incurs substantial costs, redirects resources, and otherwise suffers harm and damage as a result of each attack. So they're claiming that, well, it's actually costing Apple a lot of money to have to deal with this. But on the other hand, even if NSO wasn't doing this, there would be other people exploiting vulnerabilities for other reasons, and Apple would still have to do the same sort of security research, wouldn't they? Yeah, one way or another, Apple Apple is is going to have some costs <laughs> because they're either going to be you know paying researchers to uh, f for reporting the, and finding and reporting these vulnerabilities, um, or you know they're going to be finding them internally uh, and paying their own employees to be finding vulnerabilities and then patching vulnerabilities. There's costs no matter how you look at this. I, I don't feel like that's the strongest argument that Apple is making here, but. But there are some other things in here that I think are a little more interesting than that. Apple does say that their security team has spent thousands of hours addressing the defendant's abusive actions. Something else happened recently, and I, did we talk about it last week or the week before, that the U.S. State Department put the NSO group on a list that they could no longer import or export technology? And that kind of makes me think that Someone in the Justice Department and someone at Apple were working together, planning for Apple to announce this lawsuit. That's actually a really interesting point. Yeah, we talked about that on the November 4th episode of the podcast. That was episode 212. And, and yeah, there was a story that, that week about um, the U.S. government blacklisting the NSO group. That was kind of an interesting story at the time, but now... It, it kind of leads us to to wonder if maybe there was some collaboration and the timing is not coincidental. Maybe um, Apple had been working with the U.S. government and uh, that was something that the U.S. government had decided to do, kind of in knowing that Apple was going to be suing the NSO group. Um, it kind of seems like they might actually have been collaborating a little bit behind the scenes there. Another thing that we've seen in recent weeks is several Apple executives coming out and explaining, and there was even a document that Apple produced, about the dangers of sideloading apps onto iOS devices. And, well, that also fits into here, because if you're sideloading apps, you don't have the protection of Apple's App Store review, which we know is not infallible, but still. But sideloading apps opens you up to all sorts of security threats, which 
kind of what we do very often on a Mac because we can sideload apps. And I wonder if that is another brick in this wall here of Apple saying, you know, there's a real reason why we don't want people to sideload apps. And here it is. This all seems to fit together now, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know to what degree the sideloading thing has to do with, you know, Apple preparing this lawsuit against the NSO group. But it's it's certainly the case that malware of all kinds, and they did specifically say malware is the reason why they're so against siloading on on iPhone. It would be a lot more easy for, for malware to get onto your device if you could just install apps from anywhere. That would make it really easy actually to to infect devices because all you have to do is convince somebody to install your third-party app and and now it's easier than ever um, you don't even necessarily have to find vulnerabilities at that point because now you just have to convince somebody to install your your trojan horse that it looks like the latest fun game or whatever it might be um, they'll just install their malware for you do we know if Macs were targeted with Pegasus or was it only iPhones and iPads? To our our knowledge to this point, we, we don't know that Macs were targeted. And that's why I, th- I think it's uh, it's kind of interesting that the vulnerability was patched for Big Sur and Catalina, but not for Mojave, um, because although we don't know that Macs were targeted, um, we know that they are vulnerable or, or were vulnerable, certainly, and Mojave uh, still is vulnerable. So um, if you're running uh, Mac OS 10.14 or, or you know, any version of 10.14 or any earlier version of Mac OS, um, you're, you're certainly vulnerable to this and or a number of other things. You should not be running an older version of Mac OS at this point. Um, as a reminder, unless you're running the latest version version of Mac OS, your device is not getting uh, security updates, certainly not all of the security updates that Apple is making available to the latest OS. In fact, on November 18th, Apple updated their document about the security content of Mac OS Monterey 12.0.1. Uh, so this is all the vulnerabilities that were fixed in 12.0, which only came pre-installed on some Macs, and 12.0.1, which was actually the version that they distributed to everybody uh, when Monterey was first released. And so now they've just updated this document on November 18th to add an additional 24 (laughs) vulnerabilities that they had not mentioned previously. And it, it, there's a wide range of different uh, types of things that were patched. Um, there's Bluetooth, there's some iCloud photo library things, image IO, uh, there's a kernel vulnerability, there's a messages vulnerability, and there's several WebKit vulnerabilities as well. None of these things, at least according to Apple's release notes, none of these things have been patched for other versions of Mac OS. So these additional 24 vulnerabilities, you don't get a patch for those if you're running Big Sur or Catalina, and you certainly don't if you're running anything older than that either. So make sure that you're running Mac OS Monterey because there's a whole bunch of stuff you're just not gonna get security updates for if you're running anything older than that. 
Okay, I don't know when this is going to go to trial. If it does, you know, sometimes things get settled out of court. But given the amount of publicity that Apple has whipped up around this, you know, with the official press release and a lot of stuff on their website, I'm sure that we're going to hear more if it does go to trial. I don't know about you. If it does go to trial, I hope it's on TV because I'd find this really interesting to hear some of the things that would be discussed in, in court, some of the accusations and, and explaining how some of these things work. Absolutely. Actually, I think this would be one of the most interesting trials, probably the most interesting that, you know, as far as my perspective, uh, I think this is a lot more interesting even than the than the Apple and Epic uh, battle that they've had recently, um, because this is a I mean, again, we're, we're talking about the intersection of Apple and security and privacy here. Like this is big stuff. Like for me. Wow. Like <laughs> it can't get any more exciting than this. Well, also, in order to explain this to a jury, they're going to have to give an awful lot of information that we've never heard before about precisely how these things work and how they're defended. And and that in and of itself would be the first time we kind of get to look behind the curtain with something like this. That's true. Um, and, and Apple actually mentions in their press release that their uh, their complaint document, um, that PDF, includes some additional information that hasn't really been revealed previously. So um, it's worth a read. Some of it's a little technical, but um, some of it is actually written, uh, you mentioned, almost like a Tom Clancy novel <laughs> in, in some of the style of, yeah. of, of writing in there. Okay, Josh, until next week. Happy Thanksgiving and stay secure. All right. Stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.